Hello, listeners. Welcome to Educational Landscapes, Lessons from Leaders. On today's episode, we are going to learn from Katie Monroe. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Most welcome. So to get us going, what is your education leadership title or titles right now? I am the academic program director of the anesthesiologist assistant program, which is one of the five health professions programs um, that's within the School of Medicine, probably one of the lesser known programs, actually. So since it's lesser known, can you tell us a bit more about it? Sure. Um, So the analogy that I will give to folks is um, nurse practitioner is to physician assistant what certified registered nurse anesthetist or CRNA is to anesthesiologist assistant. So we're a physician extender in anesthesiology. Um, We work in the operating rooms. We work on the anesthesia care team and, um, uh, and I'm, I lead the training program uh, for, for students who are interested in that health profession here at Emory. Awesome. Thank you. So uh, thinking about your leadership role, uh, what do you do in this role? Uh, well, I, I do a little bit of everything, actually. Um, ultimately, I'm responsible for the educational outcomes and the student's experience uh, in, the, in the anesthesiologist assistant program. And that, that really does involve all kinds of things. Um, at, a, at, at the high level, I'm involved in the planning and the implementation of our, our curriculum, which is seven semesters long. Um, I'm responsible for all the external reporting. So we we report out to the School of Medicine, to the university. Um, we report out to our programmatic accreditor. So we have to maintain accreditation um, through KHEP, which is the Commission on Accreditation of Allied Health Education Programs. Um, and we have to we have to demonstrate that we're meeting the standards of accreditation for anesthesiologist assistant education. Uh, so I'm, I'm responsible for for all of that kind of reporting externally. Um, And then I'm also responsible for our our internal workings. So, I mean, ultimately within the program, the the buck kind of stops with me. Um, So if students or if faculty or if staff have concerns, um, then I am involved in understanding them and in addressing them. Um, I'm accountable for the admissions process. I'm accountable for the budget, you know, that our program stays on track with our budget. Um, I'm I'm accountable to, you know, if, if, like I said, with students, if they're having, you know, if students have an issue with the curriculum or with have something with the organization, then they come to me about that. So, so a lot of things can kind of fall into that category of um, the internal workings. Uh, I also teach, I lead small groups. Um, I chair our admissions committee, um, which means that I review and I interview candidates who are interested in um, coming into the AA program. Um, I work with faculty, I mentor faculty, um, I counsel students. Uh, if a student is struggling, you know, I might not be the first line necessarily, um, but I'm, I'm made aware pretty early on in the process. And I, I often um, get involved rather quickly, actually, if, um, if issues don't resolve. Uh, and then I also still work clinically. Um, so I have scheduled time each week at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta at Edelson. Um, and I'm a staff anesthetist there. It's actually pretty cool. I just, I have my assignment for the day and I go and I take care of my patients. And, uh, and that's pretty, that's, that's, that's a pretty straightforward day for me usually. Wow, that is a lot of different things under your role. So thinking about that, what skills do you use in order to get all of this work done? Um, probably a little bit of everything. I mean, uh, there are 
a lot of things I think that you have to do to just kind of, you know, keep, keep, keep all the balls in the air. I mean, that's really kind of my job as a program director. And so you have to be organized, you have to have good, you know, good organizational skills, uh, communication skills, definitely time management skills. Um, sometimes I'm the one setting the timetables for everybody else and having to hold folks accountable to them. Um, but I also have to be very self-directed on that one because because I'm setting the timetables, if something is off of my radar, then that means it's off of everybody else's radar too. And that can be a little bit scary. Um, but so, so, so I think those are definitely, um, you know, skills that, that many people have to use regardless of their job, but it's interesting how they come to bear in this role, because it's not something that you necessarily have formal training in. It's more like you get, you know, you get experience along the way. Um, and, and there's just no one place where you would go to have like everything listed that you need to have to do this job. You know, um, I'm really fortunate that I work with a talented team. Um, so I don't have to be good at everything. And, and that is just, I think, probably one of the best parts about my job. But I do try to keep all of the balls in the air and just try to make sure that everybody is on on top of the things that they are accountable for, because um, we want to make sure that things don't get missed. And, and we want to make sure that we're providing a good learning environment um, and a good experience for, for the students. That's wonderful and so important, um, that student experience. Absolutely. It's so much more than just the content knowledge, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what was your journey that led to this current education leadership role? <laughs> Um, if you had asked me 20 years ago, I would never in a million years um, have told you that I would be doing this. Um, when I started my career as an anesthesiologist assistant, I, I really, I thought I would go into clinical practice, um, probably in an academic center because I really like doing big cases and, you know, patients who had a lot of um, comorbidities and, and I liked challenging sorts of things. Um, but I'll tell you, life has a way of throwing curveballs. So um, I am a graduate of the Emory A program, and I was a good student. I was at the top of my class when I finished. Um, and when I first um, entered the workforce, I started my first job. I split clinical time between Emory University Hospital and Eggleston. So I was I was in the system, so to speak, right? I was I was within the Emory system, even though I was on the at the time it actually was Emory Clinic um, was the employer, but it became Emory Healthcare within a year or so of my my working. So I was in the system, and a few years after I had been out in clinical practice, um, one of the longtime instructors of the program was leaving, and so the the AA program leadership at the time asked me if I could step in and help out. And I really thought I was doing it for till the end of the semester and that they were going to be finding, you know, someone who was going to be more long-term. Um, and 21 years later, uh, here I am. So uh, again, just funny how, how things go and life sometimes gets you when you least expect it. Um, I started out as a course instructor um, and I really liked it. I really liked working with students. I actually liked putting together, like preparing, um, um, lectures, you know, topics and discussion points around topics. Um, and over the years, I just got more involved in educational mission. Um, I was asked to be the associate uh, program director in 2011. And I don't know that I really realized it at the time, um, but it was part of the succession planning of the, of the then program director to kind of pull me into that role. Because even when you're a course instructor, like you, you don't know a lot of the things that happen um, in the administrative aspects of this job. Um, 
So I, I give a lot of credit to, to him, the, the, my, my predecessor, the, the program director who brought me in as associate program director. Um, he, was a, he was a really great mentor. Um, and he encouraged me to pursue a PhD in educational leadership. Uh, and I did not like that idea, actually. I did not like it at all. I had sworn that I was going to be done with school when I finished my master's degree. Um, but I begrudgingly took his advice. And I cannot say that it was fun um, going to school at night and having and you know working during the day because I was still working full time. Um, but I am really glad that I did it because I learned an awful lot and I met some really great people who have um, you know roles at different institutions who I can reach out to with you know questions or thoughts. Um, and I I gained a lot from it. So it was a it was a great thing, but it didn't it, at the time it just seemed like one more thing that you sort of have to sort of get through. Mm. So retrospectively, it worked out better. <laughs> so it was tough though. It was, it was a hard three years. It was kind of a blur actually. I can just imagine. I am always so in amazement of those who do full-time um, work and then they're juggling whatever type of program. It's like trying to remind yourself that at the end it will be worth it, but during it, it's like, oh, Absolutely. And I've had um, faculty members since who say, you know, should I do this? Should I do this? And I say, yes, you should do it. But you should also know that this advice won't sound like good advice until you're done with it. <laughs> because in the moment, it's hard. Absolutely. You, they can't say you did not warn them. <laughs> Correct. You want to be realistic in your advice giving, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, so as you, you know, reflect 21 years um, so far in your interesting journey that has led to, you know, your current role, what do you wish you knew before stepping into this role? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so when I think about stepping into the role as of a program director, and I've been in that role for about probably seven and a half years now, it's about, about my length of time. And I think... Um, I think I'm, I might've liked to know that I might never feel completely prepared for it. Um, just by the nature of the succession planning that my predecessor did, I think I had the benefit of a really long, um, like sort of ramp up time, a really long lead up to, you know, to the role and good preparation for it. But when the time came, I, I was still reluctant. Like I was not, <laughs> I just thought I'm not ready for that. Um, I guess I didn't think I knew everything that I would need to know. I don't, I, maybe I didn't have enough experience to be qualified. I don't really know. I, maybe that's just, that. maybe that's just imposter syndrome and it kind of gets us all at some point in our career. Um, but when I look back, I think I was um, as prepared as I possibly could have been. Um, and even still, I mean, I could have tried to prepare all day long and there still would have been curveballs. I mean, there, there are just, I, no one was predicting a global pandemic, right? When I took this role in 2015 and um, I, there's nothing that I could have done to prepare. There was, there was no preparation for that. Um, but, but even without something like that, that hit, you know, hit everybody, you know, on kind of this worldwide scale, there, there have been other things. I mean, the most recent um, class that we graduated um, lost, lost two members of the class to, to unexpected death during their time in the program. And that was, there, there was, there's no preparing for that. I mean, um, I, both in both, both cases, they were, they were separate circumstances. They were unforeseen. They were not related to each other. They were not related to the program or the work that the students were doing. Um, 
but I wasn't prepared for it, you know, um, and I was navigating my own sense of loss and my own sense of sadness and also trying to support the students and the faculty and staff who were also just, you know, sort of blindsided by it. So um, it, there have been some really difficult moments. Um, and so I would say like at this point, whatever, seven and a half years in, um, I still strive to be as, as prepared as possible, right. As knowledgeable as possible. Um, but I've also, I think, learned to, to really like lean into what resources I can leverage, right? Like what resources are there, um, to help our program when we need it, because, because it really is pretty tough to do it all yourself. Like we, we can, it's, you just can't be a self-contained unit. And there's no need to be, right? We're part of this amazing institution and in school of medicine that has a lot of things um, that, that we want our students to use. So I have to remind myself sometimes that we really just need to reach out for that help. I really appreciate that, that idea that no program director is an island. You are <laughs> part of a system. Correct. So tapping into those resources. Yeah, that's great. So what continuing professional development do you do to keep up with the needs of your role? Well, I have to do CMEs, continuing medical education credits, um, just to maintain my license and my certificate for practice. Um, so I definitely do continuing education work in, in anesthesiology. Um, and I also help um, with planning and preparation of professional development activities um, for other program directors. So I'm, I'm um, on the executive committee of the Association of AA Educational Programs. Um, and so I, I help with organization of those and I also participate in them because there's usually some good information around that. Um, again, even so as a student, you probably don't have a lot of ideas of what goes on in the planning and delivery of a curriculum. Even as a course instructor, you probably don't have a lot of ideas. So um, the, the ways that you can you know, get more information, oftentimes it comes from um, colleagues of similar, who are in similar positions at other institutions or colleagues who are directors of other programs within your own institution, right? It's just, it's a little bit sort of a different nature. Um, I'm also, I'm currently participating in the, the Kern Fellowship here at Emory. And I have found those sessions to be really helpful um, to practice skills that I actually do need and use more often than I thought I might. Um, and that I've not really had any formal training around because there's a lot of this stuff being a program director that there's just, there's not formal, there's just not a lot of formal training around. That's specific to, you know, I mean, you know, obviously you can do a, a PhD in educational leadership that helps with a lot of things about an institution and navigating institution. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that, that you're also learning about, about um, things that are specific to AA program education. So. Great. So thank you uh, what you just said there about the current fellowship. What kind of skills have you been learning that have been like new and you're like, oh, that's really useful. So, so, um, things related to, um, like having difficult conversations, it is so valuable to practice and have to role play. And I'm normally very shy or reluctant, like to do role playing kinds of things. Um, but I have to give so much credit to this curriculum and to the, to the leaders of the, um, the program that really sort of bring us in and ensure us that it's a safe space and then let us you're sort of, you're, you're going on your instincts as how to, how to respond in some certain things, but then you can also have the benefit of it playing out in this fictitious scenario. So then to think like, oh, I, I could have said that better. Or when I said that this person heard that. 
Um, and that's really useful because, because when, when else do you get that kind of feedback, right? It's, um, it's, it's, and probably reflection on the session is one of the most valuable aspects of it, right? We'll have this thing and I'm like, wow, that was really uncomfortable or that I felt really unsure of what I was going to say next or how I was going to handle that. And I'm thinking about it two days later. And, um, and that's really probably where you really get bang for your buck in the, in the growth on that one. I don't know. I, I haven't studied that empirically, but that's my sense. Oh, that's powerful. The power of reflective practice. Yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone interested in doing the same type of leadership role that you're in? I think I would say to collect all the experiences that you can, um, learn from anyone you can who has been in a similar role, um, and then be open-minded to, to whatever, you know, might come your way. Um, I, I would say to anybody who's interested that I have such a gratifying job, um, but there are some days that are hard and there are some days that are long and, um, and you have to, you know, I guess maybe some of that is in contrast to what my clinical work is, right? Because with clinical work, it's like, there's a start of an anesthetic, there's an end of an anesthetic, you know, when you start, you know, when you finish and you know, when you finish how it went. And that's not always the same, I think for this job, right? Things can draw out over longer periods of time. Um, you know, seeing the fruits of your labor can take months and even years versus, you know, hours to a day sort of thing. So it's, it's a more delayed gratification sometimes. Um, and so it can, it can, you just, you have to, you have to be willing to put in the work. Um, you also have to be able to draw some boundaries, um, because there aren't necessarily those boundaries being drawn for you. So you have to know when you're, when you're maxing out and, um, and that can be a little bit tricky sometimes. I think most people who go into, um, um, this program, you know, so basically people who would be interested in this kind of job have been practicing anesthetists and they're, you know, it's type A people, very go get them, you know, um, and, and you have to, you just have to know yourself, I think, to know when, when you're, when you're reaching your limits. Okay. That is so important, um, especially given how much we hear about burnout. Challenges. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Definitely. Yeah. So as you reflect on, um, you know, the career you've had thus far, how do you view succession planning? Very important. Um, yeah, knowing how valuable that long on-ramp was for me, um, I think I think it's really important um, because, as I've already said, there there are a lot of aspects of um, my job as a program director that you just you just wouldn't have exposure to as a student um, going through the program or even as an as a course instructor. I mean, it's really it's not until you get more involved in um, in the in the planning and the sort of the more long range stuff that you necessarily get get any experience with it. So, um, so it's also tricky, right? Because it's not like there are, um, you know, how do you, how do you prepare somebody for this role when you're still in it? Um, and so, so I know what, what was done for me and what I, I remain grateful for, for the experience that I was able to obtain. And I try to pay that forward by, um, really just inviting other people into the process, right? Based on instructors, areas of interests, 
I invite folks to join committees that they're that they're interested in or things you know that are outside of the program that I think that folks might like. So, uh, and I think that's important because it helps them to learn more about about that process or that um, that area. Um, things like admissions or accreditation or um, being the coordinator at the clinical site to be assigning the students or orienting the students. Um, um, you know, there are a lot of things that we do that are really vital to the overall success of the program. And, and a lot of that is not learned through formal education and training. Like there's a lot of informal, uh, informal member mentorship that I think is involved in that. Um, and, and, you know, people tend to be more eager to do things that they're interested in. So, so you try to mix and match people based on where the needs are, but also where they've expressed interest. That's great. Great. So thinking about, as you said, um, you know, the importance of uh, people and successes uh, for the program, what has been one of your greatest successes thus far? That's a tough question, I think, um, because I, I believe that how we define success can change a little bit with the with the circumstances, right? That it can be a very situational sort of thing. Um, and so I, I guess the most overarching definition for me is, did I do my best work, right? Did I see that issue through? And if I can answer yes, then, then that's a success. Um, I, I think there are a lot of things that I've been proud of over the course of my career. Um, I would say like in recent years um, that navigating COVID was one of our successes. Like when we graduated that first class after everybody had been on a clinical, after we had had to, we, we had to retool everything, right? The, almost all of our norms evaporated nearly overnight. And we, we had to figure out how to move forward and how to get students into the workforce. Um, the work and the workforce really needed them, right? Like there were <laughs> healthcare needed people, Um and 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 the the graduates needed to be prepared for what they were facing, right? For the workforce that they were entering. Um, and we're a clinical training program. It is really hard to have a clinical training program that's virtual, right? That's just it's almost like an oxymoron, right? Um, so that wasn't an option, and we had to figure out how to get students back in safely um, and how to get them prepared for what was coming. And so um, so I would say that that's probably that's probably one of the things. Um, we just had a, last year. We had a um, accreditation site visit, and it went really well. And I, I, that was a good day at work, right? As much planning and preparation and work went into being ready for it. Um, the exit interview with the with the um, the site visitors was just so overwhelmingly positive that I thought to myself, like, I feel seen. I feel validated. You know, I, there. This is someone from outside who has no reason or motive for saying anything untrue. Who's saying you're doing a great job? Um, and I and I was proud of that. So, um, you know, I work. I work with a really talented team. I work with great people, and I'm 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 very fortunate in that way. Um, so it's it's certainly I can't take all the credit for for any of the you know for COVID or for our accreditation site visit. But those are definitely things when I reflect back. I think. We, we did well, right? We figured it out. We, we demonstrated what we needed to. People got what they needed out of the program and, and, and we should celebrate that. Absolutely. And a big congratulations for accreditation in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, the timing was perfect, right? It didn't, it didn't hit right on the year, but it was, it was like as soon as we had just, you know, kind of felt like figured out 
how we were changing things or what we were doing moving forward. Then it was like, oh, it's time for your site visit. It's (laughs) not a sprint, but a marathon. It was, it was like having an extra, adding an extra 5k at the end of a marathon. Maybe that's a good analogy. Oh, Oh, that's a lot for me who doesn't like running. (laughs) Definitely. All right, we're we're coming to our last few questions. And so kind of building on what you've been talking about, um, what, as you reflect, have are or were your biggest growth opportunities thus far in your career? I am not always good at delegating. I can still do better with delegating and then truly trusting that someone is going to do things um, as well as I would like, or, you know, in a, in a way that I would be happy with at the end. So I, I, um, I still work on that. I still work on some of my, um, you know, ways to be the most direct that I can be in conversation. Right. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, students need clear expectations, they need clear guidance. And so I don't want to beat around the bush necessarily. And some things are tricky to be very direct about, but I'm, I'm learning. That's one thing I will say with the current fellowship. It's like, how do you say that? more directly (laughs) Um, so it's good practice that's great that's great so thinking about you know you've got this leadership role and you've also mentioned that you um, practice clinically um, as well and as you think about those together what do you love most about your work or what you do I like a lot of things about my work Um, the people I mean I would say for both 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 at the um, you know, at the, at the AA program and clinically, um, I think the people who you work with really make it for you. And, um, I, I am fortunate to work with, with great people. Um, I, I enjoy working with the students. I enjoy watching them, um, grow and graduation day is one of, one of the best, right? Calling, calling those names, watching the students walk across the stage, um, and claim that diploma that they've worked so hard for. I mean, that is a, that is, that is a good day. Um, but, uh, but I also love the days that, you know, it's a quiet week at, at the, the program office and we have a little bit more time for lunch than we might otherwise. And like some of the darndest things come up at lunch conversation and pe- or people are laughing so hard that someone snorts or something like that. Right. It's the people. It's yes. always the people. Um, and, uh, you know, I work with very, very smart people. I work with very, and you know, engaged people. And, um, and that, that really makes it for me. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, and not that people can see, but the, the way your face lit up as you talked about people is just, it mm-hmm. highlights just how much it motivates you and moves you. Definitely. So overall, reflecting on your experiences to date, what would you say your passions are in general around education? Well, I think it's really a privilege to to watch and and hopefully to help people grow, uh, right? I mean, students come into our program, and it's a very rigorous program, um, and and they learn a whole lot about anesthesia. They have to do the work, uh, but I'm here to guide them along their journey and, and hopefully support them. Um, sometimes be the, be the bad cop who says, no, you really got to do this, right. To hold, you got to meet the mark. Um, and, and the, and the students, not, not only are they learning about how to safely take care of patients, um, they're also learning how to become professionals in this field, right. What it means to be a professional 
or to demonstrate professional behavior as an anesthesiologist assistant. And it's a really transformative time for them. And I have a front row seat, right? I, I get to see it. I get to see it as it happens. And, um, and that's, like I said, that's a real privilege. It's gratifying. So, so I, I say that that's, probably my biggest passion around it. We're always trying to build a better mousetrap. We're always trying to tinker with this and improve that and make this, you know, more, more, more this or more that. Um, but really it's about, about that growth um, that the student experiences from the time they come in to the time that you get into the workforce. And, uh, and that, that's, we, we, we pack a lot in, into those 27 months. So. That's, Powerful, thank you. So last question, recognizing you are more than your work, um, you know, many aspects of life. So what are some things you do outside of work to help you maintain joy in life and practice? Um, I would say my family life brings me a lot of joy, uh, even when it's busy. I, it, I have a husband and I have two daughters. Um, they make me laugh pretty, pretty well every day. I mean, I guess there's some days where I'm not laughing, but there's something that's pretty funny that happens every day. Um, we're also close to parents on both sides. So, um, you know, his, his family and my family have some local roots and we also have some folks who are spread a little farther out. Um, but family life is really fulfilling. And then I, um, I, I'm an avid reader. I'm an avid runner. I know we mentioned, you just mentioned with the marathon. I haven't run marathons in a long time, but even when I was in my best marathon shape, a 5k at the end of the marathon still seemed like a big ask. Yes. Um, and I would say that both running and reading, it's interesting. They're both kind of solitary sort of hobbies. And I think some of that is because there's just so much interaction all day long. I think that those things can help me get out of my head sometimes, right? Just a little bit of sort of almost in a meditative way, right? Just a little bit of Zen, either just from the rhythm of breathing when you're on a run or because you're reading a story of, in a different world or a different context from your own and that that is good, um, it's good for me. Uh, and so anyway, I would say that those, those, those things bring me a lot of joy. That is wonderful. So those were my um, core questions for you, but as we wrap up, are there any last thoughts, words of wisdom that you would love to share with our listeners as you um, reflected on your journey um, to your current leadership role? I don't think so. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. And even just some of the things that you asked me to think about, um, I think were really beneficial for me. I mean, I, I consider myself still probably mid-career. I mean, I don't have retirement in sight yet. So um, some of the things I think um, that you prompt me to think about are, you know, what's what's next and who knows, right? I mean, there are things that sometimes you do think you want to work towards and then other things that opportunities that come your way that that you just got to say, yeah, let's give it a try and see where that goes. Um, and and so it, I, I guess it made me a little curious, even just going through the 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 exercise of thinking about some of the things you asked me to consider um, in preparation for for our talk, our talking today. That is wonderful because as you talked about the growth of your students, it will be interesting to see your own growth. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't always recognize it when you're in it. And then even when you're through it, sometimes for yourself, it takes someone else saying something sometimes to be like, could I really do that? Or is that really, you know, is that really me? And it, again, we don't always recognize it in ourselves. Absolutely. The power of reflection. Totally. 
Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.